Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. I am Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew. This week, we are talking about the Charles Schwab Invitational, also known as the Colonial. Uh, before we, we, we need to, though, do a little bit of a PGA Championship recap, not a banner week for myself. Very underexposed to, Brooke, to Brooks Kepka. Yeah, great performance from Brooks. Um, I, I know it was definitely a little bit higher on Brooks than the data golf guys were. I did, ended up bumping him about five points in my run, but that was still way underweight Brooks uh, relative to the field in general. And the way I built lineups at his ownership ended up uh, substantially underweight on DraftKings and on FanDuel as well, like 20% Brooks over there, but he's like 35 or 40% owned. And just wasn't wasn't enough. Um, I did have a good week, though. Just, I would say, more off of game selection than anything else. I ended up coming third in the $1,000 buy-in. It was a small field, and it was a really flat payout structure. So that was 10 k for third place there and ended up with a really profitable week. The, f- the first good week I've had on DraftKings in a while, all of my best results have been on FanDuel. It's been a bit of a disaster of a DraftKings season. Um, but got one under the belt, even with no Brooks. Definitely wanted DJ there. Uh, kind of crazy Sunday, right? It felt like the tournament was out of reach from you know midway through Brooks's round on Thursday to midway through his round on Sunday, and then all of a sudden in the back nine, we had a ball game. I don't know if we. I I guess there it was a ball game for about ninety seconds. Yeah. Right. But it felt like it was getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so I, I should say in classic Davis Matic fashion, so I'm underweight Brooks Kepka. So pretty much I'm going to have a bad week. I had one really good team in the $33 single entry that Dylan Fratelli ruined by missing the cut that had um, List and Fleetwood and Brooks. So I decide, well, what better way to get even for the week than to just max the $5 round four showdown and just what an epic mush on Brooks because not only does he still win the event, but he, he shoots a 74 while winning the event. So holds on to the win, but absolutely kills me in showdown. So that was, it was just the most classic Matic mush of all time. It, it was, and just the way it went down, it couldn't have been worse for your lineups. I guess not altogether unsurprising just because he didn't have to put out a low round. He had such a big lead that he didn't have to keep the foot on his gas. Um, DJ I'm sure was kind of in the optimal lineup there. Obviously the course played really tough on Sunday. So even with the um, kind of no birdies and stuff, the guys who started early were able to put together some decently low rounds and then just see the full field come back to them. And we saw that with Rory actually ending up pretty high on the leaderboard. He was never in the tournament at all, but you're looking back at that box score a year from now, you're going to see Rory with a decent finish. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to point out from a tee green perspective, uh, Gary Woodland had a really strong performance. I know data golf was high on him second in the field tee to green Bubba Watson and Sergio. Oh, please can't, can't talk about this bubble round. It's so painful. Yeah. And Sergio, like I, I was definitely overweight Bubba, probably underweight Sergio at his ownership. They actually finished fourth and fifth on in strokes game tee to green average over their two rounds, but just ejected with their putting performances. Uh, so that was, I mean, the basically the opposite of Spieth, who gained almost 11 strokes putting, uh, didn't hit the ball very well, and ended up inside of the top five. Uh, very, very weird week, um, but those are some of the key takeaways from me, along with another strong Patrick Cantlay performance. And 
uh, Xander ruined uh, his each way. Xander would have had another major top 10. He bogeyed each of the last five holes, which was, uh, you know, it wasn't great. Yeah, my, my team that uh, ended up with like 10K was DJ, Hideki, Finau. Finau just total ejection on Sunday. It was a disaster. And then had Matt Wallace in there. So just was lucky. I didn't overlap very many players between the three lineups I had in there. Um, it was just lucky that DJ and Wallace happened to be paired together. Just the way pricing worked out. They were kind of a, a natural um, pair to stick together. And also ended up pretty interesting. Just uh, a lot of times you don't see the, the two times stud build uh, pulling through. And with the placement points, that definitely ended up being required this week with DJ and Kepka. Yeah, which uh, I, I mean, I can't remember another time like where that even came through or where it was even possible, really. Yeah, usually there's some more birdies that at least will kind of close the gap between the scoring right. a little bit. But um, it was the combo of that and then the cheap guys that were up there, Wallace, List, uh, a couple others. So um, I don't know. It was a... It was a good tournament. It definitely wasn't a great tournament from a, a drama perspective until a couple of hours worth. And I didn't feel like it was a great tournament from a DFS perspective either. Um, but I guess there was a lot of variance in the scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, which what I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't have any fun watching this event. I'll be honest. It was not, I didn't it just, I was pretty much tilting the entire time. Like Rory didn't have a good tournament. It was just, it was just sort of whatever to me, but we, we, we always have a chance to get back to even. I guess for you, for you, you're already there. We're getting back to even this week at the Colonial Country Club, par 70, 7,209 yards long, super narrow fairways, but middle of the road in terms of par adjusted distance. Uh, above average difficulty, but not super hard. It's basically, basically, though, because it limits eagles. There was only 10 eagles here last year, but uh, the winning score last year was Justin Rose over Brooks Kepka minus 22 minus 17. So clearly like scoring can be done here. It just probably is not going to come from Eagles and it's a, it's an invitational field. So only a 120 man field. Yeah. There's definitely scoring to be had. Yeah, just no Eagles. And um, in general, it is above average difficulty. It feels like almost any course these days is gettable by the guys if the conditions are, are pristine. Um, and it seems no different invitational tournament. Like you said, uh, 120 man field more guys are going to make the cut so it's going to be easier to get six to six lineups through i still think you want to weight the placement points uh, a, a little bit more than the average tournament just because of the par 70 and the removal of two of the par fives but um i don't know I, I think in general the course seems like it is a slight favor to strokes gained approach and that's definitely some of the stuff that we've seen in previous course history um, leaderboards it doesn't mean you're writing off guys uh, we can talk about what john rom's done here um, but it does seem like a course that at least slightly neutralizes the driver for some of the players which just brings for me it just brings more guys into play basically like like when when at beth page black like you're not taking at least i was not taking shez Reeby or ian poulter you know but I, there's no reason that guys like that can't do well at this course when like a lot of it is going to be you know, getting tricky with the wedges and making putts, basically. Yeah, I, I think um, as far as contention, that definitely ended up um, playing playing through uh, as far as Beth Page favoring the distance. Uh, but, like, for fantasy and things like that, I mean, Ches Review is still inside the top 20, like uh, Ian Poulter. Um, so I, I guess Poulter kind of fell off on the weekend. But uh, it definitely ended up favoring the Bombers. But 
it, it didn't feel like anybody was actually live to win without being up there. There were probably, in hindsight, what, there were probably like 10 guys who were actually uh, capable of winning on a course that long. And you're right, this is deeper. There are winners that are less prestigious here, certainly winners who are uh, shorter players. Kevin Kisner, uh, a former champion here. Zach Johnson's won this event twice. Jordan Spieth has won the event, probably has the best course history in the entire field. Uh, coming off that strong performance at the PGA Championship from a placement perspective, it'll be interesting to see how the DFS market handles Spieth. Spieth is going to be 17% maybe. Does that sound reasonable? I think pe- people will definitely play him this week. Yeah, it does sound it does sound reasonable. Certainly not, not unreasonable. Um, it seems like enough to to get him above that 10% level. The price is, is high. Like, it didn't take anything. That. He's been overpriced basically the entire time. He's been struggling just because they price off of betting outright markets. And uh, it didn't take much to get him priced right back up there. So third of the field. Uh, thought maybe he'd be fifth or sixth, but no, right back up there, especially with that course history. Yeah, well, the, that is, uh, that is as we say, in the business, not particularly shocking. Do you have any big thoughts on course history or course fit here? Uh, not above what we talked about. I think, um, it brings more people into field. I think guys like, um, like the, the Chet Revy types are live to win an event like this more than they were at Beth page. Um, but as far as roster construction and builds, I don't think it matters uh, too much. Slight bump to approach slight bump down to guys heavily reliant on off the T play. Uh, otherwise just playing the ball as it lies. Big, big news for everyone in the Daily Roto Slack channel. Jason Kokrak has withdrawn from this event, which is just saving everyone uh, arguments, heartache, tilt. It really was the best thing that could have happened to the group in uh, in the Daily Roto subscribers Slack. <laughs> I don't know. I think the best thing would have been like a like a T60 at a Kokrak because that would have at least like brought down his projection for future events and brought the meeting of the minds a little bit closer to the middle. So I don't think it's saving anybody from anything here. It's just uh, prolonging it to fight another day with Jason Kokrak. Ryan Moore, Steve Stricker, Alex Noren all also pulled out of this event. So um, got some replacements. I'm sure some of them will be added to the player pool um, and added to the projections. Uh, but yeah, those are the guys who are out from a news and notes perspective. All right, so let's get into it. At the at the top, we have Justin Rose, most expensive golfer in the field, last year's defending champion. John Rahm coming off the missed cut at Bethpage Black. Jordan Spieth, 10.9, more expensive than Ricky Fowler. And Xander Shifley, 10K flat. Uh, I'll give you one guess who I plan on playing the most from this range. Um, I am going to guess that you're going to go with John Rahm. No, Xander. Xander at Xander at uh, ten thousand in this field feels pretty good. When when Finau's right there, you know, a course where Kevin Kisner is ninety two hundred definitely give me Xander Shifley at ten k. Yeah, really nice price tag. Uh, I was going to ask. I guess that kind of tips your hand as far as overall thoughts. I was going to ask if you're favoring like a balanced roster build this week or favoring a more stars and scrubs build and trying to capture some of the win bonus. I guess Xander obviously gives you a little bit of both there, but it does seem like there's some decent talent towards the top end of the field, like the nine K range and above a couple guys that are like in the eight K range and um, maybe not as much depth to the field. So I think I have a slight preference for like a balanced roster build. Um, 
as far as my overall approach, uh, potentially starting off with the lower end of this range. So Fowler, Xander, or even starting with guys in the 9K range, like a, a Molinari or Finau type. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like Rom. I probably won't. My guess would be is I, because I will have, I mean, and this is the way the data golf projections are anyways, but I'll, I maybe even boost Rom plus one. So my guess is I'll probably have a good bit of Rom, a good bit of Xander, none of Rose, Spieth, or Ricky, and probably not very much Molinari or Finau either. Yeah, so Spieth, we, we talked about a little bit, uh, probably warrants some more conversation. Um, he did ha- have a really strong finish at the PGA Championship. It's also the second straight event that his putter returned to uh, kind of the, the top end form. Uh, I believe this this event, he gained more than 10 strokes with his putter at the Byron Nelson. Uh, he had gained more than six strokes with his putter. He had lost strokes to the green at that event. Um, barely gained strokes tee to green at the PGA Championship. And other than that, I mean, we still haven't seen a strong tee to green performance out of Spieth. Uh, I'm going to be, I would say in general, I'd be quick to jump back on Spieth when like you start seeing the tee to green game come together. And whenever that does happen, it's going to take a really long time for the data golf model to catch up to this extended drought that Spieth has had, if he ever does rebound. So I don't think it's a, something where I'll never boost Spieth in the future. But the way that he's getting it done um, with the putter, I think suggests that you shouldn't be boosting him too too much, um, if at all, just because the the hot putter, we saw it flash at the Players' Championship. He was also a disaster that week, tee to green. So maybe he's he's feeling confident. Maybe he's feeling comfortable on this course because of the course history. But you're not getting any pricing discount. It seems like there's going to be some ownership. I do think how owned he ends up being this week will be an interesting sign of kind of how educated the uh, PGA DFS field has become in general. I mean, the market I think we've noticed has become a little bit more efficient in terms of ownership percentages like lately. But I mean, Brooks being 25% owned is like sort of an argument against that, not because Brooks is not a great player, but just because he did not project as well as Dustin and, uh, and Rory did. Well, he did in the the betting markets. Um, so they they were kind of co-favorites there. Obviously, in data golf, it wasn't. They weren't buying into the Brooks is going to step it up in the majors hype. But the the like the outright markets and top twenty markets and stuff did have Brooks there head to head. I think he was a slight dog to those guys, but it was really close. Yeah, which is like I don't know. It it is sort of interesting. Do you do you have any like? Do you want to take a big stance on Rose? Rom Fowler any of those guys like do you think any of them are like like RBC uh you know the the RBC Canadian opener whatever level plays like DJ is no I don't I don't see any guys that I want to play at like in 50% of my lineups or anything like that um I think the the prices seem seem pretty fair to me um between Rom and Rose I like flip a coin I would maybe have a slight preference towards Rom but like I said, flip a coin. Um, I think in general, I, I don't see a clear standout value. I'm going to be trying to get as many of these guys into lineups as possible. So if anything, I think that would mean I'd be more likely to go overweight on the cheaper end. And then that would allow me to grab kind of some more of these 9K guys as my lineups. Yeah, I think I think all of that is, uh, I think all of that's pretty reasonable. Uh, I, I'll say this, I, I mean, I, I think I got to get back on Bryson at 9,400. I like, I, he was a mess last week at Bethpage around the green, approaching the green putting, it was all bad. But, I mean, he'll definitely be in my player pool at, at 9,400, and so will Casey. It's uh, 
Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. Um, kind of bought on the ownership discount. I, I feel like the ownership discount has to carry forward to this week just because there's nothing that you saw last week that would really bring a bunch of people back onto him. Um, obviously, the major can, can play a little bit tougher, but I would think that Bryson will be uh, substantially lower owned than Paul Casey, for example, and I think he'd be substantially lower owned uh, than Xander Fowler. And I think I think Kisner has is a pretty good chance of being chalk this week. I think people I think people will play all of these guys: Kisner, Poulter, uh, maybe not so much Sabatini, Grio, Piercy. All these guys I think will be fairly popular. Yeah, I think Kisner is going to be the hardest guy for the ownership model to figure out because I know he'll end up being heavily touted here because of the the course fit um, and because of his course history as a former winner. Uh, I, I think that there's enough people that are going to recognize an overpricing and just purely from like a class perspective, Kisner's not as good of a golfer as Casey. It's not as good as Poulter, Bryson, Finau, Molly. Like I, I think um, there's a large group of people who are going to be able to easily recognize that and will want no exposure to Kisner. And then there are going to be some that are intrigued by the, the tour junkies podcast or um, the course fit stuff. And uh, so I think the ownership model will have a tough time. I don't think Kisner will end up chalk though, just because the pricing, um, at least on DraftKings, is so elevated. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty efficient. There are, um, I mean, there are like some interesting names here to me. Like, I think this is a court Matthew Fitzpatrick can play well. He projects okay from day to golf. Shez uh, Revi, Joel Damon, Kevin Na, Kevin Na. I'll probably, I will actually probably boost him like plus three or four in the model. I actually think this is like a pretty good course fit for him. And I think some of his like recent data is probably not like his strokes gain stuff or, you know, his field averaging scores over the last year, whatever, probably does not accurately capture how well he can play at this course. I believe he owns the record for a single round here. Yeah. And he definitely had some of the higher um, course history index uh, results in data golf's work. Uh, Molinari kind of at the top end I'll definitely have some interest in him I think I'd like Molinari a bit more than the projections do um, as far as state of golf uh, not gonna get crazy because he's sandwiched between some pretty good names but he is a guy that I'll probably boost a little bit I think when you think about the the classic Molinari it definitely he's the type of guy that you would look to set up well yeah for. definitely of course that has um, a lot of emphasis on approach you know, he was he was streaky at the PGA Championship. Um, he did open with that tough grouping with Kepka and Tiger. So I don't know if that impacted him or not, but his ball striking was really strong. He putted poorly. Uh, that's not all that unexpected with Molinari. It's got to be so demoralizing to be Francesco Molinari and watch Brooks just hit absolute lasers off the tee. He walks 30 yards past your ball gets it to the green, like just, you know, taking a half swing. It, it, it has to be demoralizing for, I mean, and I think Tiger too. I think Tiger just watched Brooks just muscle all over that course and was just like, bro, this is too difficult. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tiger with the, the miscut. There were a lot of painful miscuts last week. We talked about a few of them. Um, I'm sure there will be some this week as well. Uh, I, I kind of see Poulter as potentially going a little bit under the radar. Um, but yeah. if Poulter's half the ownership of Kisner, then that would be an easy play. If they're close, it would still be an easy play to Poulter. I do like grabbing a couple guys from this range and they're not all going to be above 20%. So you're definitely going to find a couple pieces here that are, are 10 to 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think Poulter is pretty strong here and is his, uh, his UK brethren. Man, if, it's been a long time since I've touted Matthew Fitzpatrick, but we are officially on the record as, uh, as touting him here. Yeah, I feel like I've been touting Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, more, more this year than any years in the past. Uh, seems like he's grabbing some early buzz this week. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's one of the highest-owned players in this field. Uh, one of the, the better putters, uh, I, I think you could make an argument that he's as good as Jordan Spieth right now uh, all around and probably better uh, as far as his recent performance, and you're getting a big discount in the price. Um, and, yeah, I, li- I like Fitzpatrick. Uh, he had that epic showdown run for the PGA Championship. Overall, he was good at the PGA Championship. wasn't anything spectacular, but the type of course that you're looking to play Matthew Fitzpatrick on definitely uh, aligns with this one. Our boy, our boy Joel Damon. I think he's got potential to be like chalk this week. Yeah, I was I was wondering the kind of high or not the high end, the the high end of the low eight case. So that, really, just the low eight case. Uh, Joel Damon and Ches Revi. I think both uh, piqued my interest as far as course fit when I was initially scrolling through here, but also felt like they were getting a little bit of buzz. And then uh, Zach Johnson and Brant Snedeker were two of the other guys that. Um, I, I feel like fit the same as far as if they're they're playing well. That's how you would think about them. I do think ZJ has turned a corner with some of his underlying TD Green metrics over the past few events. Hasn't put it together with the putter. Um, and then Sneds, you can always kind of catch the the hot putter, but his TD Green game has been interesting as well. So uh, this range in general, it just it feels like there's some solid course fits that. There, there's going to be at least one T5 from this range. I'll, I'll lock that in. Like, that's for sure happening. Like, whether yeah. it whether it's Nah, Horschel, Snedeker, Zach Johnson, uh, Chez Revy, Fitzpatrick, one of these guys is going to be there on Sunday, I think. So I'd probably get off of Graham McDowell. I'd probably get off of Ryan Palmer. Um, probably get off of Rory Sabatini. But otherwise, I'm, I'm pretty interested in all of these guys. I think they're all um, – they're not, like – anyone stand out individually above the others. So I'll let ownership kind of guide my decisions a little bit there. Yeah. So getting down into this next range, this is a, we have some potentially very chalky guys. We have Sung J M at 7,700 and Byung Hun Ann at 7,500. Uh, ben, Benny Ann is going to test the limits of what I'm willing to do versus uh, you know, in terms of fading heavy ownership. Cause I really like Benny Ann this week. I, do you think he'll end up being extremely heavily owned? I mean, the PGA DFS community loves him. He's going he's gonna to be do well in any strokes gained model. He does well in data golf stuff. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain he'll be popular. Yeah, I was thinking he might not end up being that popular. Um, I think that his results last week were, like, I don't think he was that heavily owned. No, there was the injury news that kind of came out uh, pretty late and he he kind of said like I'm, I'm good to go but i'm not hitting the ball as far as i normally do and so i think that kind of depresses ownership a little bit i wouldn't and then the finish wasn't exceptional i don't think it was egregious but i don't think he's gonna hit like i don't know it doesn't seem to me right now that he's gonna hit like 30 percent owned or anything like no that. not 30 percent, but maybe like 18 percent. yeah something like that yeah um, not, not gonna scare me off not gonna scare me off for sure Daniel Berger probably be back in on Daniel Berger. He's a guy I've been playing a, more more Daniel Berger over the past few weeks than I have over the past couple of years, I think. And uh, he was live for a little bit during the PGA Championship. 
uh, again, a course that you don't need to be the longest player in the world to, to do well on. And, and Daniel Berger seems like pretty good value. Yeah. Uh, ready for me to tout a gross play? Sure. Jim Furyk, 7,300. That old dude bunting it around this course. Uh, that's definitely something I'm interested in. And Johnny Vegas was actually a guy I wanted to ask you about. He just, he, I think he was plus 14 in two days at Beth Page Black. Are you like, is that something you're weighing at all? Because he has a super good projection on data golf this week. Yeah, I think this is a, it's a good example of two guys with course fit and where I might use it. Um, right now, have Vegas and Furyk projected very similarly. Uh, they're top 20 odds. As far as ownership, I have them like between 5 and 10%, right around 7 uh, Data Golf top 20 odds has them 25% to T20, roughly 75% to make the cut. Uh, definitely seems like a, a fit course more for Furyk here than it would for Vegas. Um, and I think that's the, a good example of where I probably will leverage course fit. Um, and then I, I think in general, uh, Data Golf had Vegas, if I recall, with one of the lower kind of course history benchmarks of the guys in the field. Right. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, I, th- I think that is generally fair. I, I don't know. It's just hard for me to sort of weigh that stuff. Like maybe there was an injury or maybe it was just a horrible course fit or whatever, you know, that stuff happens. There are a couple of other guys down here who I am interested in getting into my pool. Corey Connors and Bud Colley will, uh, will definitely get in there this week. And then uh, probably JT Poston will get in for me as well. And maybe even a little bit of, uh, of Aaron Baddeley. Yeah, I think the um, hardest decision for me this week will be if I want to disregard any projection model and Vegas betting odds and potentially try to get some some Jason Duffner into my lineups. A little bit of a homer call there, big Duffner fan. Um, I know that he's been working on his swing for the past six months with a new swing coach and trying to really flatten it out. And he has gained strokes on approach over three of his previous four events, including that strong finish at Wells Fargo. He was never going to be live at Bethpage. Uh, so I'm not, you know, turned off by the miscut there. He still did gain strokes on approach. Uh, feels like the type of course where if he is playing extremely well, that it is the perfect fit for him. And I do think he's one of the types of golfers where course fit matters a lot. So I don't know. I'll, I'll be toying with whether or not to boost Jason Duffner um, a little bit for at least my MME builds. I, I probably won't be doing that. I'll probably let you, you can enjoy the Duffner. You can enjoy, I mean, maybe he just T8s or whatever. This definitely feels like a golf course where if you just, uh, if you're just okay with your irons, but you're just rolling in 14 footers, like that is an actual recipe for success here. Whereas like at, you know, a Beth page, if you were rolling in 14 footers, those were probably for par. They're probably for birdie here. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Streelman, 6,900 data golf, data golf, the thinks he should be, I don't know, looking at this projection thinks he should be like 7,700 or something. So it feels like he's probably a play, uh, noted, noted, excellent putter, Michael Thompson, definitely going to be in my player pool. And I wish someone could explain to me and anyone who plays showdown using the data golf <laughs> tools knows no, there's nothing like getting Vaughn Taylor in there in round three DFS after he makes the cut and he's 6,200. They just data golf loves Vaughn Taylor's game. <laughs> I, so we got to back slow down that take a little bit just because I don't think Vaughn Taylor has popped in a main slate the entire season, but yeah. no, no. He, he doesn't have a pop in the main slate, but he is like, you just, you're just trying to grind out that 26 point uh, showdown round. Von Taylor can get you there. Yeah. And 
like anecdotally, I mean, they're not taking course fit into account with their model. It's all about kind of weighting of different uh, scoring averages and then some small stuff with strokes gain buckets. But it does feel like a Kevin Streelman course, doesn't it? Like it feels like if you were to tell me that this course was like the, the best round that Kevin Streelman had all year, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Brian yeah. Harmon was another guy. He's playing like horrible right There's now. There's no chance like Harmon gets in there for me. No, but he's like the type of guy where you're like, eh, if someone random like Brian Harmon or Kevin Streelman was to T10 this event, like it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. Noted, noted uh, former PGA DFS favorite Cameron Champ, 6,700 at, uh, at an invitational tournament. You love to see it. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Isn't that pretty crazy? Yeah. Uh, how the mighty have fallen. It, I mean, he absolutely has been destroying the field T to green over his past three events, um, but it, it just doesn't seem like that's going to be the course where it's going to do it for him. But yeah, I mean, he's averaging almost six strokes gained uh, if you were to like extrapolate it over full event, like six strokes gained per event over the last three, just off the tee, uh, it's just been like a total train wreck with his approach game and, and his putter. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, no champ this week. It's just kind of, it is funny how, um, especially with some of the, the new younger guys that people will uh, pile on really fast and then completely exit. So we're, we're all very fickle. I actually, I, there are just cheap guys who I think, I, I would play Denny McCarthy and Adam Shank if they were 7,300, and they are 6,600 and 6,500. Uh, Bronson Burgoon, 6,400. I think he is playable in MME builds. Uh, Malnati at 6,300. I think he's playable in MME builds. And Ryan Armour, 6,100. I think he's playable in MME builds. So, like, I, I think there's maybe a little bit of validity in uh, – well, maybe not even validity. I think that if you do your MME runs the way that I plan on doing them, you will get some like Rom Xander teams or whatever with those guys being playable. Yeah, I'll probably cut it off a little bit higher than you. Um, I think some of those guys are in play, but uh, not as fond of the depth plays as you are. And also just general, like generally preferring a slightly more balanced roster build, um, even in MME. But uh, those, those are the names I think if I was going to go down that I would include. I guess the other guy that I would sprinkle into the conversation that it, that is going to be in my player pool or at least in the threshold of the submission for the optimizer would be Taylor Gooch, who is, his weakness is off the tee. If that does get muted a tiny bit here, uh, he is a strong approach player. And the cheap price tag, I think he would be an MME viable play. Oh, we have we have Hollywood Hoagie here as well. How did I not notice that? He will. I I gotta get. I'll boost him plus six or plus seven because I felt bad the last couple of tournaments. He's not been in my pool at all. <laughs> so I I think from a MME perspective, um, I'll probably cut it off at fifteen percent to T twenty for my runs. I think for the three max builds, maybe cut it off at like twenty percent. So. Uh, Streelman's probably the cheapest in a cash game or a single entry. He's probably the cheapest guy that I would plug into lineups. And then um, below that, those guys would be MME builds for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to talk about betting? Yeah, we can talk a little betting. Uh, we can talk one and done as well. Um, I, I think it's a week where I probably wouldn't burn one of the studs for one and done. Uh, I, I think the probably the guys I'd be looking at playing that might stand out more here than they would at other events uh, would be like someone like Francesco Molinari, I think would be one of the guys I'd be thinking about using in one and done um, along with potentially somebody like Ian Poulter or Paul Casey. So gutless heroes. 
What if I what if I just use Spieth? What if I just got it out of the way? What if I just got it done with? Well, you got the John Deere coming up, so you can. I mean, you got Spieth there, hopefully in better form, and and a lot of people using Zach Johnson too or Steve Stricker. So. I don't – I mean, you can use speed if you want, if you want to if, be – If I had not already ruined Bryson with the WGC Mexico, and I actually probably would have taken him. Yeah. So, I, I, got I, a, I got a decent result. I got Rory made $265,000. I mean, it's not he – didn't, he didn't win, but certainly that's a better result than I thought coming into Saturday I was going to get with him. Fair, fair. Um so I, I think those are the three guys I'll be kind of figuring out for one and done. Probably go down the board a little bit. Um, I've burnt some of the other guys at the top or we'll want to burn them in bigger spots. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm probably going to do something stupid. Who knows? <laughs> so Bryson, are you going to bet Bryson at 30 oh, to 1? Oh, yeah. I already did. I already did. I, I, I did. I got the – I pulled the numbers up to do the FanDuel hurry up, and I saw that Bryson was, you know, in between 28 to 30 to 1, sort of depending on the book. And I was like, well, that's stupid. That's just – it's just dumb. Bryson has won – Bryson has won five times in the last 18 months. Has, has not done a lot lately, but um... – I would say one of the other bets in there. So um, from an outright perspective, I think that Ben on is popping at yeah, uh, 90 or hundred to one in some places. Did seem like the T to green game was good enough last week to maybe not be as concerned about uh, the, the potential for a lingering injury. Um, if you want to take on the risk for an outright bet there. And then um, he's also available at plus three thirty three to T20 and data golf makes him closer to plus 240 so potentially you could um, put a, a bigger bet on the t20 and then a smaller bet on the outright if you want to take a shot for some upside if you want to be a nit just go all go all in all in on uh on bryson to win yeah have you looked at the the dfs contest this week are you gonna do you think the drive the green is gonna make sense or um yeah i mean i'll probably do i've, I've actually had more i guess i felt like i've had better equity in like the 20 max since i'm not maxing the dtg mm-hmm. but i'm i've just been doing the the mini max and then the 20 maxes the three max and the single entries and i've just found like i've had better equity in those contests and then um you know sort of depending i guess i guess i did max the the 150 max five dollar showdown round four so maybe i should just max the dtg instead well yeah 120,000 person field the payout structure seems like it's decent I mean you're kind of they're gonna go for the 100k up top there regardless but right um I I feel like the smaller field sizes on FanDuel have made that a better MME format for for myself and probably should focus on some of the the other DK contests where they have you know the the smaller field higher buy-in ones that uh, FanDuel can't really match so that was my initial lean when looking at the contest this week yeah, I mean, just some of these contests are like 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 the $33 single entry is like my favorite contest every week. Like that's just a really good one. The payouts are pretty flat. Not too much to first. Uh like it that's and that's just one of my favorite contests in general. Cool. Well, you got anything else? It should be a pretty fun week, I think. Uh the Memorial should be a, a great event and then we're just a month away from the US Open. So, I'm pretty excited. I think this will be a good week for DFS. Uh really looking forward to the Memorial and the US Open and then I forget what else is sandwiched in there, but feels like that's going to be the forgotten tournament because everyone will show up for Jack's course. Really, really looking forward to fading Kevin Kisner in showdown. If he, if he ends up like T3 on Sunday, I'm really looking forward to fading that. <laughs> All right, that'll, uh, that'll do it for us here at Going for the Green.